Thank you much. Thank you very much, uh, Chairman Burr and Ranking Member Warner, for allowing me to publicly appear before your committee today. I appreciate the committee's critically important efforts to investigate Russian interference with our democratic processes. Such interference can never be tolerated, and I encourage every effort uh, to get to the bottom of any such allegations. As you know, the Deputy Attorney General has appointed a special counsel to investigate the matters related to the Russian interference in the 2016 election. I'm here today to address several issues that have been specifically raised before this committee. And I appreciate the opportunity to respond to questions as fully as the Lord enables me to do so. But as I advise you, Mr. Chairman, and consistent with longstanding Department of Justice practice, I cannot and will not violate my duty to protect the confidential communications I have with the President. Welcome to the underworld. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. In America, watch you and attract your every move. They're even putting poison in your food. In America, people occupy to see the truth. But it's too late, and there's nothing we can do. In America, just watch your favorite show and watch the news. I love America. It's been my home all my life. If you don't know the past, you're only doomed to repeat it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your country. This is America. Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in time with us right now on Public Access America. Now let me address some issues directly. I did not have any private meetings, nor do I recall any conversations with any Russian officials at the Mayflower Hotel. I did not attend any meetings at that event uh, separate. Prior to the speech I attended by the president uh, uh, today, I attended a reception with my staff that included at least two dozen people and President Trump though I do recall several conversations that I had during that pre-speech reception, I do not have any recollection of meeting or talking to the Russian ambassador or any other Russian officials. If any brief interaction occurred in passing with the Russian ambassador during that reception, I do not remember it. After the speech, I was interviewed by the news media. There was an area for that uh, in a different room, and then I left the hotel. But whether I ever attended a reception where, I, where the Russian ambassador was also present is entirely beside the point of this investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 campaign. Let me state this clearly, colleagues. I have never met with or had any conversation with any Russians or any foreign officials concerning any type of interference with any campaign or election in the United States. 
Further, I have no knowledge of any such conversations by anyone connected to the Trump campaign. I was your colleague in this body for 20 years, at least some of you, and, I particip- I, uh, and the suggestion that I participated in any collusion, that I was aware of any collusion with the Russian government to hurt this country, which I have served with honor for 35 years, or to undermine the integrity of our democratic process is an appalling and detestable lie. Relatedly, there is the assertion that I, that I did not answer Senator Franken's question honestly at my confirmation hearing. Colleagues, that is false. I can't say colleagues now. I'm no longer a part of this body, but uh, former colleagues, that is false. This is what happened. Senator Franken asked me a rambling question after some six hours of testimony that included dramatic new allegations that the United States intelligence community, the U.S. intelligence community, had advised President-elect Trump, quote, that there was a continuing exchange of information during the campaign between Trump's surrogates and intermediaries for the Russian government, close quote. I was taken aback by that explosive allegation, which he said was being reported as breaking news that very day, and which I had not heard. I wanted to refute that immediately. Any suggestion that I was part of such an activity, I replied, quote, I replied to Senator Franken this way, quote, Senator Franken, I'm not aware of any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate a time or two in that campaign, and I did not, didn't have, did not have communications with the Russians, and, and I'm unable to comment on it. Close quote. That was the context in which I was asked the question, and in that context, my answer was a fair and correct response to the charge as I understood it. I was responding to this allegation that we had met surrogates had been meeting with the Russians on a regular basis. It simply did not occur to me to go further than the context of the question and to list any conversations um, that I may have had with Russians in routine situations as I had had many routine uh, uh, meetings with other foreign officials. So please hear me now. And it was only in March after my confirmation hearing uh, that a reporter asked my spokesperson whether I had ever met with any Russian officials. This was the first time that question had squarely been posed to me. On the same day, we provided that reporter with the information related to the meeting that I and my staff had held in my Senate office with Ambassador Kislyak, as well as the brief encounter in July after a speech that I had given during the convention in Cleveland, Ohio. I also provided the reporter with a list of 25 foreign ambassador meetings that I'd had during 2016. In addition, I provided supplemental testimony to the Senate Judiciary Committee to explain this event. So I readily acknowledge these two meetings, and certainly not one thing happened that was improper in any one of those meetings. 
Let me also explain clearly the circumstances of my recusal from the investigation into the Russian interference with the 2016 election. Please, colleagues, hear me on this. I was sworn in as Attorney General on Thursday, February 9th. The very next day, as I had promised to the Judiciary Committee I would do, uh, at least at an early date, I met with career department officials, including senior eth a senior ethics official, to discuss some things publicly reported in the press that might have some bearing on whether or not I should recuse myself in this case. From that point, February 10th, until I announced my formal recusal on March 2nd, I was never briefed on any investigative details, did not access any information about the investigation. I received only the limited information that the department's career officials determined was necessary for me to form and make a recusal decision. As such, I have no knowledge about this investigation as it is ongoing today beyond what has been publicly reported. I don't even read that carefully. And I have taken no action whatsoever with regard to any such investigation. On the date of my formal recusal, my chief of staff sent an email to the heads of relevant departments, including by name to Director Comey of the FBI, to instruct them to inform their staffs of this recusal and to advise them not to brief me or involve me in any way in any such matters. And in fact, they have not. Importantly, I recuse myself not because of any asserted wrongdoing or any belief that I may have been involved in any wrongdoing in the campaign, but because a Department of Justice regulation, 28 CFR 45.2, I felt required it. That regulation states, in effect, that department employees should not participate in investigations of a campaign if they served as a campaign advisor. So the scope of my recusal, however, does not and cannot interfere with my ability to oversee the Department of Justice, including the FBI, which has an $8 billion budget and 35,000 employees, I presented to the president my concerns and those of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein about the ongoing leadership issues at the FBI, as stated in my letter recommending the removal of Mr. Comey, along with the Deputy Attorney General's memorandum on that issue, which have been released publicly by the White House those represent a clear statement of my views. I adopted Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein's uh, uh, points that he made in his memorandum and made my recommendation. It is absurd, frankly, to suggest that a recusal from a single specific investigation would render the Attorney General unable to manage the leadership of the various Department of Justice law enforcement components that conduct thousands of investigations. Finally, during his testimony, Mr. Comey discussed a conversation that he and I had about the meeting Mr. Comey had with the president. I'm happy to share with the committee my recollection of that conversation that I had with Mr. Comey. Following a routine morning threat briefing, 
Mr. Comey spoke to me and my chief of staff. While he did not provide me with any of the substance of his conversation with the president, apparently the day before, Mr. Comey expressed concern about proper communications protocol with the White House and with the president. I responded. Uh, he didn't recall this, but I, will, I, I responded to his comment by agreeing that the FBI and the Department of Justice needed to be careful to follow department policies regarding appropriate contacts with the White House. Mr. Comey had served in the department for better than two decades, and I was confident that he understood and would abide by the well-established rules limiting communications with the White House, especially about ongoing investigations. That's what's so important to control. My comments encouraged him to do just that, and indeed, as I understand it, he in fact did that. Our Department of Justice rules on proper communications between the Department and the White House have been in place for years. Mr. Comey well knew them. I thought and assumed correctly that he complied with them. So I'll finish with this. I recuse myself from any investigation into the campaign for president, but I did not recuse myself from defending my honor against scurrilous and false allegations. At all times, throughout the course of the campaign, the confirmation process, and since becoming Attorney General, I have dedicated myself to the highest standards. I've earned a reputation for that. At home and in this body, I believe, over decades of performance. The people of this country expect an honest and transparent government, and that's what we're giving them. This president wants to focus on the people of this country to ensure they are treated fairly and kept safe. The Trump agenda is to improve the lives of the American people. I know some have different ways of achieving this and different agendas, but that is his agenda, and it's one I share. Importantly, as Attorney General, I have a responsibility to enforce the laws of this nation, to protect this country from its enemies, and to ensure the fair administration of justice. And I intend to work every day with our fine team and the superb professionals in the Department of Justice to uh, advance the important work we have to do. These false attacks, the innuendos, the leaks, you can be sure will not intimidate me. In fact, these events have only strengthened my resolve to fulfill my duty, my duty to reduce crime, to support our federal, state, and local law enforcement officers who work on our streets every day. Just last week, it was reported that overdose deaths in this country are rising faster than ever recorded. Last year was 52,000. The New York Times just estimated next year will be 62,000 overdose deaths. The murder rate is up over 10%, the largest increase since 1968. Together, we are telling the gangs, the cartels, the fraudsters, and the terrorists, we are coming after you, every one of our citizens, no matter who they are or where they live, has the right to be safe in their homes and communities. And I will not be deterred I will not allow this great department to be deterred from its 
vital mission. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Ranking uh, Member Warner. I have a great honor to appear before you today, and I will do my best to answer your questions. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Public XX America. Let us know how you found us by tweeting us at Public XSSI on Twitter. And please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are achieving goals and making new standards in history every day. Public Access America. Senator Harris. <clears throat> uh, Attorney General Sessions, you have um, several times this afternoon uh, prefaced your responses by saying, um, to the best of your recollection, uh, just on the first page of your three pages of written testimony, you wrote, nor do I recall, do not have recollection, do not remember it. So my question is, for any of your testimony today, did you refresh your memory with any written documents, be they your calendar, written correspondence, emails, notes of any sort? I, I attempted to refresh my recollection, but so much of this is um, in, a, in a wholesale campaign of extraordinary nature uh, uh, that you're moving so fast that you don't keep notes. You meet people. I didn't keep notes of uh, my conversation with the Russian ambassador at the Sir, Republican I'd like convention. I'd just talk about well, you, what you did. You know, I'm notes. just saying I didn't keep notes on most of these things, and there's Will nothing for me. Will you provide this committee with the notes that you did maintain? As appropriate, I will supply the committee with documents. Can you please tell me what you mean when you say appropriate? I would have to consult with uh, um, lawyers in the department who um, know the proper procedure uh, to before disclosing documents that are held within the Department of Justice. Attorney General I'm not Sessions. able to make that opinion today. Sir, I'm sure you prepared for this hearing today, and most of the questions that have been presented to you were uh, predictable. So my question to you is, did you then review with the lawyers of your department, if you as the top lawyer are unaware, what the law is regarding what you can share with us and what you cannot share with us, what is privileged and what is not privileged? We discussed the uh, basic uh, parameters of testimony. I frankly have not discussed documentary uh, disclosure rules. Will you make a commitment to this committee that you will share any written correspondence, be they your calendars, records, notes, emails, or anything that has been reduced at any point in time in writing I will, uh, to this committee where legally um, you actually have an obligation to do so? I'll commit to reviewing the uh, rules of the department and as uh, and when uh, that issue is raised to respond appropriately. Did you have any communications with Russian officials uh, for any reason during the campaign that have not been disclosed uh, in public or to this committee? Uh, I don't recall it, uh, but I have to tell you, uh, I cannot testify to what was uh, said as we were standing at the Republican convention before the podium where I spoke. My, my just, question is uh, only as don't it relates have the to your detailed knowledge. memory of that. Okay, as it I'm relates to your knowledge. Did you have any communication with any Russian businessmen or any Russian nationals? I don't believe I had any conversation 
with Russian businessmen or Russian nationals. Are you aware of Although any communications? Although a lot of people were at the convention, it's conceivable that somebody sir, came sir, up to me. Sir, I have just a few. Well, you minutes. let me qualify it. I, if, you, okay. if I don't qualify it, you'll accuse me of lying. So I need to be correct as best I can. I do want you to be honest. And I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. Are you aware of any communications with other Trump campaign officials and associates uh, that they had with Russian officials or any uh, Russian nationals? I don't recall that. And uh, are you aware of At any this moment. Are you aware of any communications uh, with any Trump officials or did you have any communications with any officials about uh, Russia or Russian interests in the United States before January 20th? No, I may have had some conversations, uh, and I think I did, uh, with the general strategic concept of the possibility of whether or not Russia and the United States could get on a more harmonious relationship and move off the hostility. Uh, the Soviet Union did, in fact, collapse. Uh, it's really a, a tragic you, strategic Thank event you. that we're not able to get along before, better than Before we are being today. sworn in as Attorney General, how did you typically communicate with then-candidate or President-elect Trump? Would you repeat that? Before you were sworn in as Attorney General, how did you typically communicate with then-candidate or President-elect Trump? Um, I did, did not submit memoranda. Uh, I did not uh, make formal presentations. Did you ever communicate with him in writing? I don't believe so. And um, you referred to a longstanding DOJ policy. Um, can you tell us what policy it is you're talking about? Well, I think most cabinet people, as the witnesses uh, you had before you earlier, those individuals uh, declined to comment because we're all about conversations with the president. Sir, I'm just asking that's you about the DOJ policy you referred policy to. policy that goes beyond just the attorney general. Is that policy in writing somewhere? Uh, I, I think so. So did you not consult it before you came before this committee, knowing we would ask you questions about it? Well, we, we talked about it. The, the policy is did based... Did you ask that it would be shown to you? The policy is based on the principle that the president... Sir, uh, I'm not asking about the principle. I'm asking when well, you would be asked the these question. questions and you would rely on that policy, Chairman, did you not ask your staff to show you the policy that would be the basis for you refusing to answer the Chairman, majority of questions that have been asked should be allowed to answer the question... Senators will allow the chair <laughs> to control the hearing. Senator Harris, let him answer. Please do. Uh, Thank you. We talked about it, uh, and we talked about the real principle that's at stake. It's one that I have some appreciation for as having spent 15 years in the Department of Justice, 12 as United States <laughs> Attorney, and that principle is that the Constitution provides the head of the executive branch certain privileges and that uh, members, one of them is confidentiality of communications. And it is improper for agents of any department of, of uh, any departments in the executive branch to waive that privilege without a clear approval Chairman, of the president. I have asked and that's the uh, situation this we're in. For a yes or no, did you ask? Well, your so the staff answer is yes, I consulted. So did you ask uh, your staff Senator to see Stein's the policy? Expired. <laughs> Apparently Senator not. Cornyn. Thank you. Senator King. Mr. Attorney General, thank you for joining us today. I respect thank your you. willingness to be.
be here. Thank you. You testified a few minutes ago, I'm not able to invoke executive privilege. That's up to the president. Has the president invoked executive privilege in the case of your testimony here today? He has not. Then what is the basis of your refusal to answer these questions? Senator Kane, the president has a constitutional... I understand uh, that, I'm, but the president hasn't asserted it. Well, I'll You give, said you don't have the power to assert the power of executive privilege, so what is the legal basis for your refusal to answer these questions? I am protecting the right of the president to exert it, assert it if he chooses, and there may be other privileges that could apply in this circumstance. Well, I don't, I don't understand how you can have it both ways. The president can't not assert it, and you're, you've, you've testified that only the president can assert it, and yet I, I just don't understand the legal basis for your, for your refusal to answer. Well, what we try to do, I think most cabinet officials, others that you questioned recently, um, officials uh, before the committee, uh, protect the president's right to do so. If it comes to a point where uh, the issue is clear and there's a dispute about it, uh, at some point, uh, the president will either assert the privilege or not, or some other uh, privilege can be would be asserted. But uh, at this point, I believe it's premature uh, for You're me asserting to a privilege. Uh, the president, uh, you've tested deny. It'd be premature for me to deny the president a full and intelligent uh, choice about executive privilege. That's not uh, you, you, necessary you at this point. You testified a few minutes ago that, quote, we were asked for our opinion. Who asked for your opinion? You mean... You we were. You testified we were asked for our opinion. You my understanding is, um, I believe I'm correct in saying the president uh, has said so, uh, that... So I, he didn't I, ask you directly? I thought you were asking about the privilege, so... No, no, I'm you sorry. You want to go back to I'm the, saying, uh, you, uh, you said... Quote, we were asked for our opinion, you, you and Mr. Rosenstein. I believe that was appropriate for me to say that because I think the president... No, I'm said, just asking you, I'm just who saying asked why, you for your opinion? Yeah, who asked you for yes, your opinion? Yes, right. The president asked for our opinion. All right, so you just testified as to the content of a communication to that the president. That is correct, but I believe he's already revealed that. I, I believe I'm correct in saying that. That's why I indicated that when I answered that question. But uh, uh, if he hasn't, and I'm in error, so you I would have uh, uh, constricted his constitutional right of privilege. That, so you're, you're being, correct. You're being selective about the use. No, I'm not intentionally. I'm doing so only because I believe he made that. In, in any of your discussions with the president about, about the firing of James Comey, did the question of the Russian investigation ever come up? I cannot answer that because it was a, a communication by the president, or if any such occurred, it would be a communication that he has not waived. But he has not asserted the executive privilege. He has not asserted executive privilege Do, do you believe the Russians interfered with the 2016 elections? It appears so. The intelligence community seems to be united in that. But I have to tell you, uh, Senator King, I know nothing but what I've read in the paper. I've never received any detailed briefing on how uh, hacking occurred or how information was alleged to have uh, influenced well, between the campaign. The, between the election, there was a memorandum from the intelligence community on October 9th that detailed what the Russians were doing after the election, before the inauguration. You never sought any information about this uh, rather dramatic attack on our country? Uh, no, you never, was, you never asked for a briefing or attended a briefing or 
uh, read well, the intelligence reports? You might have been very critical of me if I, as an active part of the campaign, was seeking intelligence relating to uh, uh, something that might be relevant to the campaign. I'm not sure that I'm would I'm not have talking been. about the campaign. I'm talking about the, what the Russians did. You received no briefing on the Russian active measures in connection with the 2016 election. No. I don't believe I ever did. Let's go to your letter of May 9th. You said, based upon my evaluation and for the reasons expressed by the deputy, was that a written evaluation? My evaluation was an evaluation that had been going on for some months. Is there a written evaluation? I did not make one. Uh, I think you could classify Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein's um, memorandum as a an evaluation, uh, one that, um, uh, and he was the direct supervisor of the FBI director. And his evaluation was based 100% on the handling of the Hillary Clinton emails, is that correct? Well, in a number of other matters, but uh, I, as I recall, but he did explicitly lay out uh, the errors that he thought had been made in that uh, uh, process by the director of the FBI, I thought they were cogent and accurate and far more significant than I think a lot of people have understood. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Subscribe to Public Access America on iTunes. Rate and review us. Give us five stars or be forced out of the pages of history. Written out. Stop, stop, stop. Pages. Like history, like history won't even know who you were. That's a good one. Ever, 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 ever. History forever will never know who you were. Who you were. Public Access America on iTunes. Rate and review us. Give us five stars or face your eminent doom. you for holding this hearing in the open, in full view of the American people where it belongs. I believe the American people have had it with stonewalling. Americans don't want to hear that answers to relevant questions are privileged and off limits, or that they can't be provided in public, or that it would be, quote, inappropriate for witnesses to tell us what they know. We are talking about an attack on our democratic institutions and stonewalling of any kind is unacceptable. And General Sessions has acknowledged that there is no legal basis for this stonewalling. So now to questions. Last Thursday, I asked former Director Comey about the FBI's interactions with you, uh, General Sessions, prior to your stepping aside from the Russian investigation. Mr. Comey said that your continued engagement with the Russian investigation was, quote, problematic, and he, Mr. Comey, could not discuss it in public. Mr. Comey also said that FBI personnel had been calling for you to step aside from the investigation at least two weeks before you finally did so. Now, in your prepared statement, you stated you received only, quote, limited information necessary to inform your recusal decision. 
But given Director Comey's statement, we need to know what that was. Were you aware of any concerns at the FBI or elsewhere in government about your contacts with the Russians or any other matters relevant to whether you should step aside from the Russian investigation? Senator Wyden, I uh, am not stonewalling. I am following the historic policies of the Department of Justice. You don't walk into any hearing or committee meeting and re reveal confidential communications with the President of the United States who's entitled to receive uh, confidential communications in your best judgment about a host of issues uh, uh, and, and have to be accused of stonewalling for not answering them. So I, I, I would push back on that. Secondly, uh, Mr. Comey, perhaps he didn't know, but I basically recused myself the day, the first day I got into the office because I never accessed files. I never learned the names of investigators. I never met with them. I never asked for any documentation. The documentation, what little I received, was mostly already in the media and was presented by the senior ethics public responsibility, professional responsibility <laughs> attorney in the department. General and I made a honest and proper uh, decision to recuse myself, as I told Senator Feinstein and the members of the committee, I would do it when they confirmed me. General Sessions, respectfully, you're not answering the well, question. Well, what is the question? The question <laughs> is, Mr. Comey said that there were matters with respect to the recusal that were problematic and he couldn't talk about them. What are they? I, that, why don't you tell me? They are none, Senator Wyden. There are none. I can tell you that for absolute certainty. We can, we you can, tell, this is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me and I don't appreciate it. And I've tried to give my best and truthful answers to any committee I've appeared before. And it's really, a, uh, uh, people are suggesting through innuendo uh, that I have been not honest about matters, and I've tried to be honest. My, my time is short. You've made your point that you think Mr. Comey is engaging in innuendo. We're going to keep digging well, on this. Well, Senator Wyden, he did not say that. I don't, did he, he said say? it was problematic, and I asked you well, what was problematic about it. Uh, the 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 uh, some of that leaked out of the committee that he said in in uh, closed sessions. Okay, one more question. I asked former FBI director whether your role in firing him violated your recusal, given that President Trump said he had fired fired Comey because of the Russian investigation. Director Comey said this was a reasonable question. So I want to ask you just point blank: Why did you sign the letter? recommending the fire of firing of Director Comey when it violated your recusal? It did not violate my recusal. It did not violate my recusal. Uh, that would be the answer to that. And the letter that I signed represented my views that had been uh, uh, formulated for some time. Mr. Chairman, just so if I can finish, that answer, in my view, doesn't pass the smell test. The president tweeted repeatedly about his anger at investigations into his associates in Russia. The day before you wrote your letter, you, he tweeted that the collusion story was a total hoax and asked, when will this taxpayer-funded charade end? 
I don't think your answer passes the smell test. Well, Senator Wyden, I think I should be allowed to briefly respond at least and would say the letter, the memorandum uh, that Senator, uh, that uh, Deputy Rosenstein wrote and my letter that uh, accompanied it uh, represented my views of the situation. Senator Heinrich. Attorney General Sessions, has the president ever expressed his frustration to you regarding your decision to recuse yourself? Uh, Senator Heinrich, I'm not um, able to share uh, with this committee private communication. Because you're invoking have. executive privilege. I'm not able to invoke executive privilege. That's the president's uh, prerogative. Well, my understanding is that you took an oath, you raised your right hand here today, and you said that you would solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And now you're not answering questions. You're impeding this investigation. So my understanding of the legal standard is that you either answer the question, that's the best outcome. You say, this is classified, can't answer it here. I'll answer it in closed session. That's bucket number two. Bucket number three is to say, I'm invoking executive privilege. There is no appropriateness bucket it is not a legal standard. Can you tell me what are these longstanding DOJ rules that protect conversations made in the executive without invoking executive privilege? Senator, I'm protecting the president's constitutional right by not uh, giving um, it away before he has a chance uh, to You're having view it. it. And ways. secondly... I am telling the truth and answering your question in saying it's a longstanding uh, policy of the Department of Justice. Are those policies written? It, even uh, and to make sure the president has full opportunity uh, to uh, decide these issues. Can you share those policies with us? Are well, they written down at the Department of Justice? I believe they are. Uh, this is the appropriateness legal standard for not the, answering congressional inquiries. It's the judge, my judgment that it would be inappropriate for me uh, to answer and pr reveal private conversations with the president uh, when uh, he has not uh, had a full opportunity to review the questions and to make a decision on whether or not to uh, uh, approve such an answer. One, there are also other privileges that could be invoked. One of the things deals with uh, Cam, uh, the investigation of the special counsel. As and other, we're not ans asking well, questions just, about that inv investigation. If I wanted to ask questions about that investigation, I'd, I'd ask those of Rod Rosenstein. I'm asking about your personal knowledge from this committee, which has a constitutional obligation to get to the bottom of this. There are two investigations here. There is a special counsel investigation. There is also a congressional investigation. And you are obstructing that congressional delegation, uh, investigation by not answering these questions. And I think your silence, like the silence of Director Coates, like the silence of Admiral Rogers, speaks volumes. I would say that I have consulted with senior career attorneys uh, in the department. I suspect And they believe this is consistent with my duties. Senator Risch asked you a question about appropriateness. If, if you had known that there had been uh, anything untoward uh, with regard to Russia and the campaign, would, would you have headed for the exits? Your response was maybe. Why wasn't it a simple yes? Well, there was a improper, illegal relationship 
in an effort to impede or influence this campaign, I absolutely would have departed. I think that's a good answer. I'm not sure why it wasn't the answer in the first place. Um, I, I find I it strange answer. that neither you nor Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein brought up performance issues with Director Comey. And in fact, Deputy FBI Director McCabe has directly refuted any assertion that there were performance issues. This is troubling because it appears that the President decided to fire Director Comey because he was pursuing the Russia investigation and had asked you to come up with an excuse. When your assessment of Director Comey didn't hold up to public scrutiny, the President finally admitted that he had fired Director Comey because he was pursuing the Russia investigation, i.e. the Lester Holt interview. You've claimed that you did not break recusal when participating in Director Comey's firing, but it appears that his firing was directly related to Russia, not departmental mismanagement. How do you square those two things? Well, you had a lot in that question. Um, let me say first, uh, within a week or so, I believe May 3rd, uh, Director Comey testified that he believed the handling of the uh, Clinton declination uh, was uh, proper and appropriate, and he would do it again. I know that was a great concern to both of us because it did not, that represented uh, something that I think most professionals in the Department of Justice would totally agree that the FBI investigative agency does not uh, decide whether to prosecute or decline criminal cases. Pretty breathtaking usurpation of the uh, responsibility of the Attorney General. So uh, that's how we felt. Uh, that was sort of uh, additional uh, concern that we had uh, heading the FBI, someone who boldly asserted the right to continue to make such decisions. That was one of the things we discussed. Uh, that was in the uh, memorandum, I believe, and it was also uh, a important factor for us. To you, to you, I believe that it's just a bunch of piles of books and videos and just, well, it is it stuff that really doesn't matter anymore. The history's gone. Why, why bother bringing it back? Well, we're moving forward. Isn't that what we should be doing as a, a race, as a society, as a well, of government? Co of course, of course. We're, we're here to learn. We're here to grow. But some people went through some very hard things so that we could learn the lessons from them. And that's in history. Bringing history back. Every time you watch one of these episodes or listen to one of these episodes, you're going to learn something new, something that somebody struggled to achieve. We didn't get where we are now just suddenly by being born. We got here from the backs of civil rights leaders, from great presidents, from world leaders. That's how we got where we are. Well, it was wonderful having you on the show. Everybody, Jason Rozaki from Public Access America. Tune in at publicaccessamerica.com, Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud, or check out their YouTube. I do. It's fascinating. Go ahead and subscribe, and you get little moments of history from throughout time. Thanks for being here, Jason. Thanks for having me. Over the last few weeks, <clears throat> the 
the administration has characterized your previously undisclosed meetings with Russian Ambassador Kisiak as meetings you took in your official capacity as a U.S. Senator and a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee. <clears throat> as chairman of that committee, let me ask you a few questions about that. At these meetings, did you raise concerns about Russian invasion of Ukraine or annexation of Crimea? I did, Senator McCain, and I would like to follow up a little bit on that. That's one of the meetings that I, that's one of the issues that I recall explicitly. The day before my meeting with the Russian ambassador, I'd met with the Ukrainian ambassador, and I heard his concerns about Russia. And so I raised those with uh, Mr. Kislyak, and he gave, as you can imagine, not one inch. Everything they did, were, the Russians had done, according to him, was correct. And I remember pushing back on it, and it was a bit testy on that subject. Knowing you on the committee, I can't imagine that. <laughs> uh, did you raise concerns about Russia's support for President Bashar Assad and his campaign of indiscriminate violence against his own citizens, including his use of chemical weapons? I don't recall whether that was discussed or not. Did you raise concerns about Russia's interference in our electoral process or its interference in the electoral processes of our allies? I don't recall that being discussed. At those meetings, if you spoke with Ambassador Kisiak in your capacity as a member of the Armed Services Committee, you presumably talked with him about Russia-related security issues that you have demonstrated as important to you as a member of the committee? Uh, did I discuss security yeah, I don't, issues? I don't recall you as being particularly vocal on such issues. Um, repeat that, Senator McCain. I'm sorry. The, the whole Russia-related security issues that you demonstrate is important to you as a member of the committee. Did you raise those with him? You mean uh, uh, such words, issues as nuclear Russia issues? or Yeah. In other words, Russia-related security issues. Uh, in your capacity as the chairman of the Strategic Forces Subcommittee, what Russia-related security issues did you hold hearings on or otherwise demonstrate a keen interest in? We may have discussed that. I, don't, I just don't have a real recall of the meeting. I, made, uh, I, I was not making a report about it to anyone. I just was basically um, willing to meet and see um, what he discussed. And his response was? I don't recall. During the 2016 campaign season, do you have any contacts with any representative, including any American lobbyist or agent of any Russian company within or outside your capacity as a member of Congress or a member of the Armed Services Committee? I don't believe so. Politico recently reported that in the middle of the 2016 elections, the FBI found that Russian diplomats whose travel the State Department was supposed to track had gone missing. Some turned up wandering around the desert or driving around Kansas. Reportedly, intelligence sources conclude that after about a year of inattention, these movements indicate, one, that U.S. Moscow's espionage ground game has grown stronger, more brazen, and that quietly the Kremlin has been trying to map the United States telecommunications infrastructure. What do you know about this development? and how the Justice Department and other relevant U.S. government agencies responding to it. We need to do more, Senator McCain. I am worried about it. We also see that from uh, other 
uh, nations with these kind of technological skills like China and some of the other nations that are penetrating our business interests, uh, our national security interests. Um, as a member of the, the Armed Services Committee, I did uh, support and, and advocate, and I think you supported, uh, legislation that would, uh, and it's ongoing now, that requires the Defense Department to identify uh, weaknesses in our system and how we can fix them. But I would say to you, Senator McCain, that is, in my short tenure here in the Department of Justice, I've been more concerned about computer hacking and those issues than I was at the, uh, in the Senate. It's an important issue. You're correct. The Washington Post reported yesterday <coughs> Russia has developed a cyber weapon that can disrupt the United States power grids and telecommunications infrastructure. This weapon is similar to what Russia or Russian allied hackers used to disrupt Ukraine's electrical grid in 2015. Can you discuss a little bit in open session how serious that is? Um, I don't believe I can discuss the techno technological issues just to say that um, it is very disturbing uh, that uh, the Russians continue to um, push uh, hostile actions uh, in their foreign policy and um, is a not good for the United States or the world or Russia, in my opinion. Do you believe we have a strategy in order to counter these ever-increasing threats to our national security and our way of life? Not sufficient. We do not have a sufficient uh, strategy dealing with uh, technological and IT penetrations of our system. I truly believe it's more important than I ever did before, and I appreciate your concern and leadership on that issue. And in fact, all of Congress is going to have to do better. Rubio. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Attorney General. I want to go back to February 14th and kind of close the loop on the details. Director Comey was here, provided great detail about that day. So what I've heard so far is there was a meeting in the Oval Office on the 14th. You recall being there along with him. At some point, the meeting concluded. The president, everyone got up to leave. The president asked Director Comey to stay behind, correct? Well, that's a communication in the White House um, um, that I would not comment on. All right. Look, I, I do indicate... You do. remember seeing him stay behind? Yes. Okay. And his testimony was that you lingered. And his view of it was you lingered because you knew that you needed to stay. That was his characterization. Do you remember lingering? Do you remember feeling like you needed to stay? I do recall um, being one of the last ones to leave. Um, Did yes. you decide to be one of the last ones to leave? I don't know how that occurred. Uh, we had finished a, I think, a terrorism, counterterrorism briefing. Uh, there, a number of people were there, and people were filtering out. Um, and um, I eventually left, and I do recall that I think I was the last or one of the last two or three to leave. Would it be fair to say that you felt like you perhaps you needed to stay because it involved the FBI director? Well, I, I don't know that how I would characterize that, Senator Rubio. Uh, I left. Uh, it didn't seem to me to be um, a major problem. I, I knew that uh, Director Comey, longtime experience in the Department of Justice, could handle himself well. So you saw him after that. He characterized it as he went up to you and said, you know, never leave me alone with the president again. It's not appropriate. And he said, this is his characterization. You just kind of shrugged like as if to say, what am I supposed to do about it? Well, I think I described it more completely, correctly. He uh, 
raised that um, issue with me, I believe, the next day. Uh, I think that was correct. And he expressed concern to me uh, about that private conversation. And I agreed with him, uh, essentially, that uh, there are rules on private conversations with the president. But there's not a prohibition on a private discussion with the president, as I believe he's acknowledged uh, six or more himself with President Obama and President Trump. So I didn't feel like uh, that's the first. And he gave me no detail about what it was that he was concerned about. So what he so I didn't say I wouldn't uh, be, a, be able to respond if he called me. Uh, he certainly knew that with regard uh, that, that he could call his direct supervisor, which in the Department of Justice, the direct supervisor to the FBI is the deputy attorney general. Uh, he could have complained to the deputy or to me at any time if he felt pressured, um, but I had no doubt that he would not yield to any pressure. Uh, can I, do you know if the president records conversations in the Oval Office or anywhere in the White House? I do not. Let me ask you this. If, in fact, he, any president was to record conversations in their official duties in the White House or the like, would there be an obligation to preserve those records? Um, I don't know, Senator Rubio. Probably so. Um, I want to go to the campaign for a moment. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, it's been widely reported you know, Russian intelligence agencies often uh, pose not simply as an official, but in covers as businessmen or journalists and the like. At any point during the campaign, did you have an interaction with anyone who, in hindsight, you look back and say they were trying to influence me or gain insight that, in hindsight, you look at and wonder? I don't believe in my conversations uh, with the three times. On not, the two no, not the imba- just in oh. general. Mm, uh, well, I met a lot of people, a lot of uh, foreign officials who uh, wanted to argue their case for their country and to point out uh, things that they thought were important um, um, for their countries. But yes, never, that's a normal thing, I guess, we talk about. Right, but it, and as far as someone who's not an official from another country, just a businessman or anyone walking down the street who kind of struck you as someone that was trying to find out what you were up to or what the campaign was up to, you never remember any sort of interaction that in hindsight appears suspicious? Well, I'd have to rack my brain, but I don't recall it now. My last question. You were on the foreign policy team. The platform, the Republican platform, was changed to not provide uh, defensive weapons to Ukraine. Were you involved in that decision? Do you know how that change was made or who was involved in making that change? I was not uh, active in the platform committee, did not participate in that, and don't think I had any direct involvement. Do you know who did, or do you have no... In recollection of a debate about that issue internally in the campaign? Or? I never watched the debate. Um, the, if, it, if it occurred on the platform committee, I, I think it did. Um, so I don't recall that, Senator Rubio. I'd have to think about that. Attorney General Sessions, has the president ever expressed his frustration to you regarding your decision to recuse yourself? Uh, Senator Heinrich, I'm not um, able to share uh, with this committee, private communication. Because you're invoking executive privilege. I'm not able to invoke executive privilege. That's the president's uh, prerogative. Well, my understanding is that you took an oath, you raised your right hand here today, and you said that you would solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
and now you're not answering questions. You're impeding this investigation. So my understanding of the legal standard is that you either answer the question, that's the best outcome. You say, this is classified, can't answer it here. I'll answer it in closed session. That's bucket number two. Bucket number three is to say, I'm invoking executive privilege. There is no appropriateness bucket. It is not a legal standard. Can you tell me what are these longstanding DOJ rules that protect conversations made in the executive without invoking executive privilege? Senator, I'm protecting the president's constitutional right by not uh, giving um, it away before he has a chance uh, to You're having view it. it and ways. secondly, I am telling the truth in answering your question in saying it's a longstanding uh, policy of the Department of Justice. Are those not policies to written? It, even, uh, and to make sure the president has full opportunity uh, to uh, decide these issues. Can you share those policies with us? Are well, they written down at the Department of Justice? I believe they are. Uh, this is the appropriateness legal standard for not the, answering congressional inquiries. It's the judge, my judgment that it would be inappropriate for me uh, to answer and reveal private conversations with the president uh, when uh, he has not uh, had a full opportunity to review the questions and to make a decision on whether or not to uh, uh, approve such an answer. One, there are also other privileges that could be invoked. One of the things deals with uh, Cam, uh, the investigation of the special counsel. As and other, we're not asking well, questions just, about that inv investigation. If I wanted to ask questions about that investigation, I'd, I'd ask those of Rod Rosenstein. I'm asking about your personal knowledge from this committee, which has a constitutional obligation to get to the bottom of this. There are two investigations here. There is a special counsel investigation. There is also a congressional investigation. And you are obstructing that congressional delegation, uh, investigation by not answering these questions. And I think your silence, like the silence of Director Coates, like the silence of Admiral Rogers, speaks volumes. I would say that I have consulted with senior career attorneys uh, in the department. I suspect And they believe you have. this is consistent with my duties. Senator Risch asked you a question about appropriateness. If, if you had known that there had been uh, anything untoward uh, with regard to Russia and the campaign, would you have headed for the exits? Your response was maybe. Why wasn't it a simple yes? Well, there was a improper, illegal relationship in an effort to impede or influence this campaign, I absolutely would have departed. I think that's a good answer. I'm not sure why it wasn't the answer in the first place. Um, I, I find I it strange answer. that neither you nor Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein brought up performance issues with Director Comey. And in fact, Deputy FBI Director McCabe has directly refuted any assertion that there were performance issues. This is troubling because it appears that the President decided to fire Director Comey because he was pursuing the Russia investigation and had asked you to come up with an excuse. When your assessment of Director Comey didn't hold up to public scrutiny, the President finally admitted that he had fired Director Comey because he was pursuing the Russia investigation, i.e. the Lester Holt interview. You've claimed that 
you did not break recusal when participating in Director Comey's firing, but it appears that his firing was directly related to Russia, not departmental mismanagement. How do you square those two things? Well, you had a lot in that question. Um, let me say first, uh, within a week or so, I believe May 3rd, uh, Director Comey testified that he believed the handling of the uh, Clinton declination uh, was uh, proper and appropriate, and he would do it again. I know that was a great concern to both of us because it did not, that represented uh, something that I think most professionals in the Department of Justice would totally agree that the FBI investigative agency does not uh, decide whether to prosecute or decline criminal cases. Pretty breathtaking usurpation of the uh, responsibility of the Attorney General. So uh, that's how we felt. Uh, that was sort of uh, additional uh, concern that we had uh, heading the FBI, someone who boldly asserted the right to continue to make such decisions. That was one of the things we discussed. Uh, that was in the uh, memorandum, I believe, and it was also uh, a important factor for us. Hey, Petey, have you heard about this new podcast, Public Access America? You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, and even the Stitcher Smart Radio app. It's so cool. Not good enough. But are you a German spy? Because that sounds like technology. It's like that new thing, the radio, or a newspaper for your ears. You can even follow their production company, Jar Codes, on Twitter or Facebook and find all new episodes posted every day. Oh, that's cool. I don't care nothing about no planes, but I gotta hear the latest episode of Public Access America now. Oh, watch the bomb. You can even go to their YouTube channel at Public Access America and find great videos from our time. It's so cool. Go check out Public Access America. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.